Designed from the ground up, the Diderio Backline Gear Transport Pack is the ultimate solution for players on the move. With more than eight specialized storage and transport compartments built right in, it makes getting everything to the gig painless and intuitive. This is Chris Keys for From Your Guitar. Today I'm joined by Mario and Sarah of The Spotlights. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Good to see you, man. Thank you for doing this. Uh, Mario's starting off with some guitar, and we'll talk to Sarah about her awesome bass sound and huge pedal board, which I cannot wait to get into. But Mario, uh, I first got to say, man, I love your guys' sound. It's peaceful, disturbing, jarring, serene all at the same time. And if the Loch Ness Monster had like a theme music or an intro song, I'm sure you guys would write the perfect song to do that, if it was real, uh, I should say. <laughs> thanks, man. I love that description. That's amazing. <laughs> well, let's dive into it, man. Like, I've seen you talk about the guitar here. We got the Strat on you, and uh, I, I want to know about this because I've seen you play so many different instruments, Tellys, SGs, Dunnables, uh, Pure Salem. So talk to me about the Strat and kind of how that fits into what you're doing now. Um, yeah, so the Strat is the newest addition. I've kind of just... Uh, I guess over the last five years or so, been searching different things out. Not not really searching for any particular tone, but just trying different things just to see what what works and what doesn't for me. Uh, I've never owned a Strat, but um, I love it, man. It's it's amazing. It's a player series, just brand new, out of the box Fender Strat. Um, and the only thing that I've changed on it is I, I changed out last night. I actually just changed out the the bridge pickup to a Seymour Duncan. I think it's a custom five, something like that. Uh, but it's just ripping now. You know, it sounded really good before. We did a we did a session recently uh, in New York, like a live stream session, and it was sounding really good with the stock pickup. But I just wasn't getting like the feedback and the amount of gain that I needed out of the stock pickup. So I researched a little bit and ended up getting this put in. I, I put it in myself yesterday and. Uh, Man, it's just, it's amazing. I love the way this guitar plays. It just, it fits me body-wise and size-wise, and um, just the feel of the neck is, is perfect. So I don't think it's going to really replace anything. I don't, I tend to kind of just bounce around with the guitars that I have, but uh, for now, it's it's my number one. <laughs> now, it, it, you alluded to the fact that you don't, you're not chasing a sound, but you're always trying new things to see if it works or if it doesn't. Is Has there been anything recently or in the last five years that you can recall that you tried and you're like, wow, I, I gotta have it, whether it's a pedal, amp, guitar, or not gotta have it, but you, it's gotta become a mainstay? Right, um, I mean, a few things. So I'm kind of a I'm kind of an impulse buyer, especially when it comes to guitars. <laughs> like, I, I don't think one of the, any of the guitars that I've owned, I've played beforehand. Maybe other than like, I, I played an SG for a little while, um, SG Special that I bought, and it, we were on tour and I don't know, I got a bug up my ass to have an SG, kind of like I did with the Strat. For some reason, I just was like, I think I want one of these. And so we went to Guitar Center on the way from LA to San Diego. We were on tour and stopped at the one in LA and was just kind of like looking around and I didn't really want anything like just newish. Nothing was really feeling good, but I found this used SG Special, one of the ones with the, the mini humbuckers in it. And, uh, and yeah, that thing just like, it felt it felt right, and I just had to get it. I was like, I sh probably shouldn't have. We, you know, it wasn't a buying gear on tour is never a good idea because you're not making enough money to really <laughs> <laughs> cover the cost. But whatever, uh, and it was fun, and I kept it for a really long time. But the issue with the SGs for me was the short scale okay. neck. It was just, uh, you know, I think they're like 24 and a half scale, and uh, we tuned down to B, drop B. And sometimes I'll take the drop, the the low B down to F sharp, and it just wasn't really handling that. Like it, it sounded okay, but it wasn't staying in tune at all. So, you know, I was constantly tuning through our set, 
and that's what led me to getting the Dunnable, which I have back here. Um, again, an impulse buy. I just saw it online, and <laughs> a friend, I think a friend of mine posted something like on on Instagram or something. He works at Music Zoo, my friend Jordan, and uh, yeah, I just looked. It looked amazing. I had heard about the Dunnables. We had seen them at Chicago Music Exchange once, and uh, they looked they looked sick. And it just seemed like it was either what I really was thinking about getting was an electrical guitar company guitar, but I just couldn't afford that. And he posted this thing, and it was uh, basically brand new, but a good deal nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And I just jumped on it. And uh, yeah, it was one of the best purchases I've made. It's an incredible guitar. Now, has that made it onto any recordings yet? I know that uh, you guys put out We Are All Atomic in 2020. Did the Dunnable make it on that or any of the other recordings you did? Because I know you did the quarantine covers or COVID covers. You did Radiohead. You did Pixies. Yep. Um, yeah, I think the Dunnable... So I know it made it on to all of Love and Decay, which was our last full length. Okay. Uh, and then... After after that record was when I got the Pure Salem, uh, which the the owner got in touch with me and, and let me try one of those out, and I ended up falling in love with that thing too. Um, I started kind of switching between the Dunnable and the Pure Salem. So I think we we're all Atomics, probably a mix of that. Okay. Of those two guitars, and then all the covers are most likely just the Pure Salem. Now, about the Pure Salem, and we'll throw up a photo so people, because you said it's upstairs at your house, we'll throw a photo so people can be familiar with it. It has a humbucker in the bridge, but it has that, that backward slanted neck single coil. Do, do you like that, and do you use that? So I'm, I've never used the neck pickup on any guitar other than that one, because it really does work. There's something about it. I don't know, like, I don't, I'm not, I guess the way I set up my tone it just works with the kind of more mid forward bridge sound instead of the like scooped thing that you get on the neck. Mm -hmm. um, but that one, the pure Salem, you still, it, it's still a little more full frequency response. It's not so like just top heavy or just bottom heavy. So like it, it gives me more bass and it gives me more top end, but I can like, I can use it. I might not use it live, but on recordings I've used it all over the place for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds awesome. Cool. Well, you kind of touched on the tunings already that you use with spotlights, uh, but what about strings and gauges are you using with the Strat? Um, so with the Strat, I've changed it up a little bit. I'm doing, I think it's like the beefy slinkies, the Ernie Balls, which are 11 through 56. Okay. And then they have like a real meaty G string. I think it's a 22 on the G string, which is really cool. I've never used this set before, but it works well enough for the for the drop B or if I want if I'm just kind of like hanging out at home I can still take it up to like a standard and it won't feel super tight um, where with my other guitars with the Pure Salem and the uh, Dunnable I'm playing uh, what are they they're the Didario XL I think they're 12 through 60 okay it's the the uh, drop drop C set that they sell um, and yeah, those those work perfectly for me. It's I've never had an issue with with that. Any lower than what I'm playing here on the Strat, it just starts to get too floppy. Cool. Well, uh, unless there's another guitar that you want to bring out and introduce us to, we can move on to amps. Yeah, no, let's move on. That's all. That's all I've got. All right, man. Well, I've seen you with the 800 a bunch, and then it kind of there's a rotating cast of oranges. I've seen you play with Rocker Verbs, you know, standard tube head, and then I've also seen you play with the CR120, which is a solid state. And I know that uh, headroom and clean tone coming out of your amp is what you're after and using the pedals in the pickup to really agitate it. So exactly. tell us what we're hearing today. Um, so we have the 800 that I've had forever. This is like a, you know, 1980s, I think 84, 800, uh, 50 watt. And it's awesome, man. I don't know. I think it's the loudest 50 watt amp I've ever heard or played. Cause like, you know, I record bands and a lot of people bring in other 800s, 50 watts and 100 watts. And I mean, this thing, like, the way I the way I play it is I plug in to the low input, and then I crank the gain all the way up, and then just take my volume up. You know, I can barely take it past one, even on stage most of the time. Um, and it's just blasting loud. But yeah, I love this thing, and I would never get rid of it. The cabinet is just this straightforward 
Uh, I think it's like the 1960A or whatever with the the uh, 75 watt speakers that come in it. Okay. And then yeah, I've I've played other oranges, but I, they, they most likely weren't mine. If if you've seen me playing those, it, it was either like backline stuff that we've used or uh, you know borrowing from a or you know sharing with a, another band. Okay. But this thing is actually mine, and it's awesome, man. I mean, it's like you really can't beat this setup and this is the cabinet that they sell with it the crush whatever it's called crush pro cabinet um i'm not super crazy about the speakers in this thing but for the price of like a half stack you really can't go wrong with this and being a solid state amp it's super loud if you can get a ton of clean tone out of it but you can also crank up the gain and get a little bite out of it if you want um i run everything as clean as I can, so that's why I'm I'm in the low input on the on the Marshall, just because um, I kind of can't show you just because I'm running an overdrive on the Helix that gives it a little bit of bite. But the clean tone is just if I turn that off, it would be completely dry and clean. You know? um, but then I run a little bit of like a I guess it's a a Klon model that they have on here. Okay to give it a little bit of bite, a little bit of texture. Now, are you using these two amps in stereo or is it kind of like just more is more and one amp takes the effects and one amp is dry? Um, it's basically stereo. So I used to use an ABY switch and kind of like I have a stereo looper. So sometimes I would shoot a loop to one side and then shoot a different loop to one side, but it just became too much work. Mm -hmm. um, so now I'm running them stereo out of my H9 uh, going into the stereo looper and out of the looper split to both amps mainly so I can get some of the stereo effects that the H9 has so like the reverbs I like to wash out um, and on stage usually on stage I'll stack the amps but I'll have the sound guy hard pan them uh, just so you can kind of get that wide wash all right well Mario we covered amps and I think it's what a real cool thing that you do is you mix analog pedals tube heads solid state amps and I know you got a line six unit on the floor Tell me about how that works, because if, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's almost like the brains of the operation. Yeah, it's fully the brains of the operation, because I have a lot going on. So um, basically, I use it for almost all my pedals. Uh, you know, my main mod, the reason I switched to this was uh, Eric Klein, who's actually the developer of the Helix. Um, he he came to see us at a show in LA and just uh, got in touch with me. And he was like, man, you should, you have to check this out. Cause at that time I was playing, uh, you know, I had a pedal board bigger than Sarah's basically. And then okay. I had, <laughs> I was, we, we use a laptop for some things like, so we trigger samples and stuff to, to add textures. So I had a MIDI trigger it had like a boss, big, big old MIDI trigger a separate interface, you know, a stand for my laptop. I had all this shit that I was working with and just like tap dancing all over the place. So he saw that and he was like, you have to try this thing out. It's basically <laughs> made, made for you. And I did. And man, it's like, it blew me away in two seconds. I was like, it just changed everything for me. Um, so basically, yeah, so I'm running all my pedals, all my overdrives come from the Helix. I use an OCD model that they have. Uh, a couple different boosts and fuzzes that they have as well. You know, most of my delays. Uh, and then, you know, my analog pedals are kind of like filler. So like all the Earthquaker stuff, you just really, nobody does it like they do, you know. So I just, I have to have those there for extra stuff, especially for like interludes and whatnot. The Earthquaker stuff is amazing. But, um, but yeah, so pedals. And then I also, it's also an interface. It's an eight-channel interface, so I'm running that to the laptop. Coming out of that, I'll send a left and right to front of house so they get the, the samples. So I can kind of show you. I'll just hit one of the samples that I have going here. That's coming out of there. So I'm running Ableton, so I can control Ableton from there, stop all the samples, start a click track that goes to the drummer, stop it. Um, yeah, it just kind of consolidated everything down into one piece. And then on top of that, uh, I used to use like a vocal pedal on the side to, to just have some, some reverb or delay or anything. Mm -hmm. And um, now I'm running my vocals through this as well. 
and I can control it. So I'm using the expression pedal to add, like you'll see if I, if I start pushing into this, I get my delays and kind of like chorusy sounds that I like to add to the vocals. Um, and I can control how much or how little depending on the room that we're in, you know, cause sometimes depending on the PA or whatever, you're getting more feedback from too much, you know, too many, uh, effects on the vocals. Man, I, I bet this kind of streamlined setup has really, if not enhanced your onstage performance, it's uh, allowed you to be freer on stage, embrace the moment. It changed, like I said, it just changed everything. Cause like, you know, I had, I had a pedal board here, the MIDI trigger here, like a <laughs> thing over here. And now it's just all right here. And I mean, I've had it for a few years now and it, I have it fully dialed in. I'm using it I think to its fullest capacity, <laughs> so uh, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, if they ever need someone to go on tour and like be a spokesman to all the dealers and sellers of this unit, I think the I think Mario's the guy. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And I well, mean, you know, there's one thing like a lot of people are afraid of of modelers and stuff, and I get it. I was that was kind of like my holdback of trying anything like that was just um, digital digital models of especially overdrives and distortions just never really never really did it for me. But combining these, as soon as I heard them, <clears throat> and I AB'd my, my old OCD with this OCD side by side, and it's like I, nobody would be able to tell the difference. So I, you know, I was sold. Especially pl playing through the, uh, through the real amps, it just, you know, you can't tell. Well, I, I'm, now I'm excited to hear it. So let's, let's kind of walk me through, uh, let's start with like distortion and you can uh, like maybe show us the ramped up of you know the destruction you bring on stage so. <laughs> sure so let's see so my my clean tone like I said I think I have a a clon just kind of a little bit of gain on it just to get a little bit of a bite to that and then my main distortion that I kick on is the this OCD clone here And what I'll do a lot of times is take that and then I have kind of a boost. This is what I love about this Helix in particular is I can add like, you know, if I, if I like what I have going on with the distortion pedal, I can add an EQ right after it to just bump up, you know, 2 dB and add a little bit of this here and a little bit of this there to shape the sound exactly how I want. So like, I, you know, this is my regular distortion and then I add a little EQ boost to it to just make it a little bigger so you know for all the extra chugging and whatnot it helps to boost things um, let's see so from there on that's pretty much all I use for distortions I have a couple fuzzes on some presets that I use for like leads and whatnot. Yeah, I was gonna ask, cause there's some parts of songs where, yeah, I, I think a big calling card to what you guys do is the, the wall of sound thing, but there are parts where you're soloing or just doing single note stuff and it really pierces through the veil of the sonic boom that you guys bring. It, you know, like, so uh, what are you doing to kind of really pierce through that? So it depends. Sometimes, Sometimes it's literally, literally just adding a delay. a delay. And I mean, I think, I mean, I think uh, uh, the way Sarah has Sarah her has tone her set up, you know, we've kind of carved out enough space for each other that if if it's like a lead part or a part where the bass needs to really come forward, everything kind of works on its own. You know? um, but what I do a lot of times for leads is I'll, I'll add more of a fuzz to it. So like, I think this is... That's basically like a fuzz factory clone that they have, um, which I use all the time for, for lead stuff. It takes it from like a mallet to almost like a katana. Like, like the way you, that your guys' sound is like a mallet. And then when that gets kind of like, I think of like part two, there's a part in the song part two where yeah. you just like slice through and it's like, like I said, it's like a blade. That's it. That's exactly what I'm using in that part. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'll keep so, yeah, going, I'll keep I guess, going, for other, other, other pedals that I'm using here. here. Uh, uh, we have, we have uh, 
uh, I think it's, what is it? This one in particular is a Memory Man uh, copy. Um, and I think I, for the most part I use that. Sometimes I use one of their Space Echoes that they have too, but for the most part it's that. And then a couple different reverbs. Another thing that's really cool about this thing is I actually use it to turn on and off the uh, the H9, just so I don't have to be going back and forth. Everything is kind of set over here because I can use it via uh, MIDI to control the H9. So it actually it'll it'll change the tempo on the H9, turn it on and off, uh, and then a couple different things that I do for other songs, but. on and off there just makes things super easy yeah i mean and that's basically my my setup i don't really use too much else other than like distortion a little bit of fuzz here and then uh you know delay and reverb now what do you use the h9 for now that you brought that up like what gets uh what gets that attention so, you know, this thing has like 8 million presets and it can do anything you ever want it to, but I, I really only use it for three things. Uh, that one being one of them, which is kind of like a, it's, I think, I forget what the preset is. It's like follow, I think it's called, but it's a little like slap delay thing that does that stuff. And then other than that, I use it for a, just a huge kind of uh Stereo reverb. So. And then I think I have one other preset that I use on there. So I think it's part three on, on We're All Atomic. I used that one on. Which, Kind of like a ring mod, a ring mod almost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got kind of like that weird mod on it. Um, I just what we got we got the H nines at the same time, and like neither of us really had time to dig in fully into them. There's just so much going on in there. It takes like I would have to take like a whole month of just sitting down with the pedal <laughs> and trying everything to find what works for me. You know. Um, yeah, it's a deep but dive. I, yeah, but I mean, what I found, I love, and and it just. It works. So now, what are you using? The you had mentioned you got some Earthquaker pedals. How are you using those? Are those kind of like standalone effects for your stuff? Or are they complementing like the other units, the Line Six and the H Nine? Um, usually, they're kind of combined with something. I do like the Afterneath, especially. I'm always combining it with uh, either like another delay or a reverb or something to just wash things out. And more than usually, I'm using it for interludes. So like, I'll do little loops in between songs when we're playing live. Um, lately, though, the the newest addition is the Astral Destiny here, and I don't know if you've seen that thing, man, but it's it's incredible. <clears throat> I used to I used to have a PS3 that I would kind of run with like another reverb off the Helix to get kind of a big washy, sparkly sound, and this thing it just nails it with it on its own, you know. <laughs> Preset. There we go. This is the one. <laughs> and it's got that super cool stretch feature, which is which is awesome. Now, because you had mentioned with Ableton, you're you're doing the pads and adding some synth layers that you guys can't reproduce with just a three piece. Do you see that Astral Destiny being something that could fill in there? Because just that little bit you played, I could, I could hear like a synth or like a pad that comes up underneath those notes you play. Yeah, that's uh, funny you mentioned that. We actually like, so We're All Atomic, the live version that we've been playing is for the first time, it, it's the first time we haven't used uh, the laptop at all. So like those songs, we don't play to a click and we don't play with any, any, uh, samples just because of this pedal <laughs> literally wow. because it was able to kind of just uh 
reproduce all the pads and stuff that are happening behind us. So I'll, you know, at the beginning of the song, I'll start a loop and keep that going. And then later on the song, I can bring it back in. Um, and it just adds enough texture and yeah, it was awesome. Now, like there are some modulation stuff that you guys have, or at least that's what I hear. And it might be just studio stuff, but like ghost of a glowing forest or the size of the planet that has some like really clean, but there's some really funky clean tones, I should say. Like, like, what's going on there? Is it anything specific that you can recall from from your like uh, setup live here? I think for the most part on those songs, so I can I can actually pull pull one of those up and let's see. Um, so this is size of the planet. pretty much the same so I, I think I have a for the lead on size of the planet I do have uh, I think it's like a phase nine a phaser on there along with the delay and probably a little bit of a boost on the distortions For the most part, if, yeah, if it's something like that, I'm just adding a little bit of phaser or something. But again, same same delay, same distortions. Right on. Is there anything else? I know that at one point, uh, I believe you had like a ditto looper on your pedal. Yeah, I still have the ditto, the, the X2, so the stereo looper, which is awesome. I love that thing, and I use it all the time. Is that just something you're creating like live, like Mike Sullivan does from Russian Circles, or is that like preloaded and, it, and then it, you use it on stage to help you? No, it's all live. Yeah, so we have a couple songs where uh, you know I'll be running a loop and then playing over it, sort of like a Russian circles type thing, exactly. Um, yeah, it's great, man. And it is perfect. I use it a lot again for interludes. Like I'll you know once the song's over, I'll put a little something on it and just run it while we're tuning or whatever. Or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's it. I've got the ditto and then you know the regular old boss tuner that I've had I think for like 25 years now. <laughs> <laughs> still works. That's funny because I've used other tuners and I, I, I just can't, especially live on stage, I, I can't do it. The strobe tuners and everything, it's too much for me. I, I just wanted to hit, hit the little dot and let me know where I'm at. You haven't, you had all these like spontaneous buys, but the tuner will never be one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Mario. I think it's time to uh, let Sarah rumble some of my teeth. Nice. No, thank you, man. Appreciate you, man. All right. Now we are joined by Sarah. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Real good. I'm saying this in the most positive way possible and about your tone and what you bring to the table is that I'm almost glad that we're doing this over Zoom because I feel like any of my feelings would get rattled out if we were actually on stage <laughs> and you were about to demonstrate yeah. what you have to offer. <laughs> sure. <laughs> thank you. Well, let's get into it. I, I, I've seen you for years with the O-Base, and uh, yes. uh, recently, I think it was on the Earthquaker uh, scene, the uh, live video you guys did, or the performance video, I, I saw the, the P-Base, so tell me about the transition. Yeah, so I played the Orange O-Base for about four years, um, and I stuck with it that long because I just really, really love the way it sounds, um, but it's very neck heavy like so extreme that um i had to tape a weight to the bottom corner of the body oh wow to balance it out because if i let it go it would fall so hard that the headstock would probably break um and the neck was just a little too beefy for me um but again the tone was just awesome so i stuck with it for a while and then during quarantine i was just browsing basses and i've always wanted to try a p bass i usually play uh jazz basses um and i just feel like the p bass fits me a little more being you know playing a, such a large instrument um so i just bought a squire precision bass you know this is just right out of the box i changed the pickguard to leopard uh <laughs> just because it's you know a little bit more ice style um and yeah, I mean, I haven't modified anything just because I wanted to make sure it was something I wanted to play. Um, and I love it. It's super balanced. You know, I can let it go and it doesn't really go anywhere, which is nice. Now, will you use the uh, 
aforementioned jazz bass and o bass like I'm recording still, or is that is that kind of where they stay, and then this will be more of a stage guitar or a stage bass? Um, no. So typically, when I when I choose a bass, I usually stick with it for everything until I decide to change it. Okay. Um, I, like before, when I had the jazz bass, I only had a jazz bass, and then mm. I got an o bass, and I sold the jazz bass. Um, because it just wasn't getting used. And I don't really, you know, I don't really collect or hang on to things if they're not being used. So just kind of move on. Well, right on. What do you use for strings? Um, these are just the Ernie Ball 55 to 110, just standard bass strings. Uh, nothing special. I change my strings maybe once every two years. <laughs> I, I do not, I do not like new strings. I think they sound terrible, so... So what will make you change the string? A broken string or will you ride until, yeah, that happens? Pretty much a broken string or, you know, just you hear that it, they're done pretty yeah. much. You could feel it too playing. And know. what about a pick? Uh, do you, are you loyal to any one pick? Um, not really. I typically played the Dunlop, the black heavy gauge. I can't remember the exact gauge, but um, Mario and I worked a tour for a band and their bass player had these picks that I'm currently playing. They're his custom picks. And uh, they're just, they're bigger and they're really thick and I just fell in love with it. I don't even know who makes it. It's all worn off, but um, we got a couple of those. So I'll probably just kind of mimic these for a while, but um, I'm not I'm not very picky, just anything heavy. Gotcha. Picky. Get it, picky. Now, what about bass? I, I've seen you with the OB-1 for I think the whole time I've seen, I've been known you guys as a band. Yeah, so this I got because of uh, the Melvins. Actually, we were on tour with them, and I was typically playing uh, GK four hundred RBs because I really love solid state heads. Um, they're just easier to deal with and cleaner, um, and don't weigh more than I do. So. <laughs> uh, we were uh, touring with the Melvins, and I was sharing some gear with Steve, and I think Buzz owns one of these, the Obi-Wan 500, and once I played through it, I was just like, shit, I, I have to have one of those. <laughs> so um, when I got home, I think I, I hit up Orange and ordered one, which is good because I think they, they might have discontinued them. I'm not 100% sure, uh, which is a shame because it's just, it's, it's incredible. It's just a workhorse. That's really all I need. Now, were you kind of messing around before or after shows with it, or were you doing like the Melvin's big business thing where you guys were getting called out to play on stage with them and kind of like doing double bass, double drum stuff? Yeah, we were getting called out on stage to play the, the last show, or the last song, Lysol, with them. And, uh, and then there were some shows where the stage was just so small we couldn't fit everyone's gear, and Steve and I would end up sharing, you know, the Obi-Wan. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I got to play through it a lot. We were with them for like three months, so. Now, we're going to move into the fun zone, but before I do that, I, I should have done this when I introduced you, but I've seen you, and not to call you out, but I saw you on Instagram play a ripping Faith No More epic solo. Either it's like <laughs> a Mockingbird, like a BC Rich Mockingbird, or a, a Jackson uh, Warrior, something off-shaped and definitely 80s metal. Yeah, I think it was a Jackson Warrior. It was... The video was taken at my friend's house on my birthday, um, and her boyfriend plays those, and it was just there, so I just picked it up, and instead of air guitaring, I real guitared it. You know? Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you get to hear Epic and, you know, celebrate yeah. Jim Martin, that, that's uh, a I good know. day in my book. Man, such a good guitar player. Well, let's go into the fun zone. Like I said, you have an awesome pedal board, and I just want you to you. take us through it and kind of talk to us about the layers of distortion. And I know you use modulation. I know you got like a vibrato pedal. So just talk to me about why you have what you have and how you use it. Sure. So I'll kind of just start at the, the beginning, which is obviously the boss tuner. And again, you know, it's, it's just a solid tuner. It doesn't do any fancy tricks. I don't need fancy tricks, you know. <laughs> Um, I have enough of that going on already. Um, and from there, I go straight into the Earthquaker Westwood, which is like a translucent overdrive, um, which I think on my board to death, I had the, the full-tone OCD at the time. And 
man, this pedal, it's all over Love and Decay. Pretty much most of that record we used, I used the Westwood. Um, it's just really versatile. I love that I can control, you know, the treble, the bass, the drive, and really just tweak it to, you know, what I think it needs for the song. Um, and right next to that is the Boss Overdrive, the OB, the ODB3, um, which is the first distortion pedal I ever had, first overdrive pedal I, I ever got. Um, and those two kind of work together. So right now, the overdrive is more of a boost for the Westwood. So, and on the pedal board, you see they're kind of like butted up against each other because sometimes I punch them on together mm. and then sometimes I'll start with the Westwood or start with the overdrive and then click the other one on to like, you know, boost each other. Can um, we hear that quick? Like the, the combination and then maybe each one separate? Definitely. So this is the Westwood by itself. This is boosted with the boss overdrive. And then this is just the overdrive by itself. That sounds huge. Yeah, so it's, you know, the Westwood gives a little more crunch but then when I don't want as much crunch, I just do the overdrive. And just for, uh, I guess, kind of a baseline, can we just literally hear just the, the, the P into the OB-1? Oh yeah, sure, just clean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because people will need to reference this as we go on and everything gets chaotic and destructive. <laughs> yeah, and and also to mention um, what you know, what you won't hear, but I hear in my ears, and you'll hear in the demo is I'm actually playing through a Line Six Stomp, okay. uh, which is a mini version of the Helix, and I only use it as my second amp. Um, and right now I'm running, it's just the the A10 SVT Beast, so it's just kind of I guess the clone of an SVT. Um, I used to play the Orange 212 with a GK400RB, um, but when you load your own gear, you know, it gets a little, <laughs> gets a little exhausting. Um, so I switched over to the Stomp, and it's, it's literally just my second amp, um, which is cool for live. It'll be my, my DI, and then, you know, my A10 will still be mic'd. So if anything happens to the actual amp on stage if anything cuts out or sounds weird you know in the house you're going to hear the stomp and it sounds amazing and i can hear it in my ears when we when we're uh plugged in well that's a handy little tool yeah and so and then you know that's it's more of like the mids you know are boosted a little more and then this is more of like low end okay the a10 yeah um so next um is the way huge swollen pickle uh, which is an incredible fuzz pedal. I discovered it when we lived in San Diego. We went to go see a band called Future of the Left from the Left. Future of the Left from Wales. And his bass tone, I was just like, shit, dude, what, what is that? And it was the Swollen Pickle. And I found it used at Guitar Center, and it's been on my board ever since. Um, and I, I haven't gone in and messed with the pots. I know some fans have asked me yeah. if I've you know, done anything with those, and I haven't. Um, I love the way it sounds. So for me, you know, I don't want to fuck with something that I already like. Because then <laughs> if I can't go back to what I was liking, then it'll be pretty upsetting. So um, it's just factory settings, you know. Um, and this pedal I probably adjust the most throughout the set. Um, cause the sustain, the crunch and the scoop can all be dialed back or forward, which is really cool. Now, is that something you're doing because of each room reacts and responds differently? Or is it because you have such a dynamic use of the pedal? Both. So okay. I, you know, every room's different when you play live. So I, that is a huge part of adjusting pedals live, but for the swollen pickle, I adjust it 
sometimes two or three times throughout a song. So it's either crunchier or just bigger uh, to fill in space, depending on the song, depending on what Mario's playing. Uh, we kind of do like a push and pull for each other. Mm -hmm. um, and this pedal really allows me to do that. Cool. Now, will you use that in conjunction with other pedals, like the ones we, the two we already talked about, or is that kind of like that's no. its own thing? Yeah, it's pretty much its own thing. The only thing I'll ever tack on is a little bit of reverb, uh, either from the Astral Destiny or the H9. But um, it's so fuzzy that any any distortion or overdrive added to it, it just it's too muddy. Well. Well, how about we give? Uh, how about you give us a taste of like the two maybe extreme settings that you would use on a given night or a given set? Yeah. So my typical setting, um, the filter, I have it cranked to about one o'clock. Everything's pretty much at like either one o'clock or dialed back to nine, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so this is like a typical setting for it. So that's a little little fuzzier. Yeah. For just bigger, more full parts. I usually crank the sustain a little bit, but I'll roll back the filter, the crunch, and the scoop, mm -hmm. just so it's not really fuzzed out, but it's still massive. Yeah, that's a, it's a swollen pickle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So, and you know, depending on the room and just how everything sounds, I'll, you'll constantly see me bending down to adjust that pickle or uh, that pedal the most. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Cool. What's up next? So up next, we have the Earthquaker Devices Monarch, which Ooh. is, I believe, a discontinued pedal, but you can purchase the build kit for it. Um, it's just such an unbelievable overdrive pedal. I found it used in a little guitar shop uh, when we were in Harrisonburg. And I remember hearing about them, and I've always wanted to try it. And it's, it's one of my favorite overdrive pedals. Um, again, just, just a different tone of overdrive that I use. You'll know I'll go from the Westwood and the overdrive, which is a little cleaner and a little more sparkly. And then the Monarch is a little dirtier, a little darker, um, you know, just to change the feel of the song. So, you know, how you're saying it's cinematic or it has different emotion. That's kind of what I do with my pedals. Okay. And the Monarch's a, a darker version of Overdrive. A different shade of anger. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we hear that? It's, it's more anger. Yeah, for sure. So this is basically where I usually have it set. don't adjust it too much unless you know again the room's kind of playing with me and again you can control you know the gain and the bass and the treble which is which is super helpful now do you do you pair this one with all like with it, any modulation or delay or anything or reverb um yeah so sometimes i mean basically my whole board is fuzz and overdrive mm -hmm. and then i have you know you know one vibrato one octave pedal and then the reverb so basically i'll use my reverb pedals just to draw out endings or in the middle when i want to create space or put a tail on something okay. um yeah I, I mean everything on here i'll pair with some sort of reverb is that like a constant thing you're you always have in reverb or just in those certain extended sequences yeah just in the certain extended sequences reverb pedals are pretty new to my board probably in the past <laughs> few years um and they're super fun, so I think it'll help with songwriting in the future also. 
Now, I'm noticing a trend here so far, and maybe I'll be wrong as we go further, but so far you only really have one specific bass pedal, bass, the bass, uh, boss, bass, overdrive. Why, why have you selected so many guitar, I mean, obviously they sound great with bass, but why going with some of the guitar-specific pedals? I don't know. I think I get a tone stuck in my head and I search it out, and I don't, it's not really a matter of what it was specifically made for. It's just, can it do what I hear. Uh -huh. um, and you know, Mario used to have a massive pedal board, so I would steal and borrow a lot from his. Um, and I think, you know, any pedal can be used for any instrument. Yeah. But, you know, for bass, it's so low that distortion and overdrive and fuzz are going to be one of the go-tos for me. Just because when you get into fancier effect pedals, it kind of gets lost on bass. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I never, I never really sat down and been like, you know, I can only buy a bass pedal. A pedal is a pedal yeah. for me. I just didn't know if you were afraid. Sometimes people will say they don't like certain pedals that aren't bass or bass specific because it might suck out the low end or cause some something to drop out tonally that they're not pleasing. No, I've never had that problem. <laughs> uh, you know, I think if you just use it to how you need it, you know, it should do what it should do. And if not, then... You have to find something else. Yeah, time to move on, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what else do you got down there, and what else, and how do you use it? Yeah, so up next is the Terminal, which is uh, another overdrive from Earthquaker Devices. Uh, I love this pedal. It's super knotty uh, and crunchy. I use it in Under the Earth um, just for the end to stick out a little bit more and be a little dirtier. Uh, Chris and I kind of do like a little solo thing at the end together. Um, and yeah, it's just, it just sounds amazing. It's really cool. It's kind of just like, you know, not in every song type of use, but when you need something weird to stick out, this is that pedal. Yeah, we got to hear that because I I've, I don't know if I've ever heard the adjective naughty in terms of like a distortion. So I got to yeah, hear what this so, terminal sells, sounds like. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll, this is what it sounds like. definitely has a, its own flavor. Yeah, and I, it, it has more of a sustain on the end, and I can kind of draw the notes out. Um, and, yeah, just the, you know, the fuzz isn't, it's not like a smooth, it's more like choppy, I guess, sounding to me. Yeah, and then uh, we continue on through the chain. I have actual fuzz pedals by Zvex. Um, I have the Woolly Mammoth, and I have the Fat Fuzz Factory. Um, and, you know, these are more like specialty kind of interesting sounding fuzz pedals. So it's not like an every song uh, use, but okay. I, I love them. They just sound incredible. Now, do you have a, like off the top of your head? And I know that off camera you said like it's hard to remember certain songs or song names. But do you know when you might use these pedals since you said they are have such a special spot? Yeah. So the, the Woolly Mammoth, I used a lot on titles or first record. Uh, Hover. I use it a lot during that song. Um, and then the Fat Fuzz Factory I used on the opening, which is on Seismic. Okay. Um, just for more of like a, a full kind of tinny kind of vintage distorted sound, you know, fuzz sound. Um, but yeah, you know, the more you add to the collection, those, you know, everything kind of gets left behind because you want to play with the new thing. <laughs> the new favorite. Yeah. Yeah, but those fuzz pedals won't leave my board. They're they're really cool. I actually uh, acquired the Fat Fuzz Factory when Mario changed over to the Helix. So I yeah, I was curious. One. You had said that, and now you said it a second time. Like how much that the gear interaction happens, or the gear swapping between you two, having you know such an interest and use for these pedals. Yeah, it's super fun, and that might be why my pedals are more guitar focused, is because um, I and with a guitar player you know so that's <laughs> what i see the most where i'm not just like what bass pedal do i have to buy so yeah we do a lot of pedal swapping it's fun it's awesome well you know a, a, a couple that can play together stays together that's right <laughs> <laughs> well 
Can we hear these before we move on past the yeah, Z-Vex stuff? I yeah. love to hear these two pedals. Definitely. So this is the Woolly Mammoth. This is the Fuzz Factory. cool for bass because you can you know like holding it and sliding which you know I do a lot really draws out the pedal and shows what it can do yeah it's a growler both of them are yeah exactly for sure um, and then up next I have the big commander which is like I guess like an octave mm. uh, pedal and this one I've had for a really long, long time I think it's one of the original big commanders that came out um, and again, you know, it's like a more of a specialty for me. And I really love pairing it with Astral Destiny or the H9 because the reverb just really draws out, you know, however I have the filter set to go up or down. It really just pulls it a lot longer. Um, so this is like a ba my basic setting for it. And then, you know, pairing it with, this is just the Carnegie Hall reverb on the H9. You can just hear it kind of pull. Um, and that pedal's super fun because it's, it's super versatile. You can really make some weird shit with it. Um, I think I use it the most in Mountains Are Forever, uh, which is, I pair it with a reverb. That's a great closing song off that, yeah, that record. Yeah, thanks. Um, and then next to that is the Aqueduct, which is the, the pitch vibrato. I believe it has eight modulating settings. So it's like a really soft synthesizer. It's pretty sweet. Um, I haven't used it too much, but uh, definitely in the future, you know, the, the more specialty effects are just kind of where the song calls for it for me. Now with modulation, is it vibrato or might be something else is uh, on the song Joseph, there's some like movement there that the bass does. Is that, is that that pedal or is it something else? That was, I think it was the MXR chorus. I had at the time, which I don't have anymore. And I was pairing that with the Hall of Fame oh, reverb okay. pedal. So that was that was for Joseph. And probably, you know, in the future, when we play that song again, it will probably be something like the Aqueduct. Probably paired with Overdrive. <laughs> now, how, how have you used the vibrato pedal? I know that you said it's kind of just limited in, in its use so far to what Spotlights is doing. But how do you use it? What's it set for? Can, and can we hear it? Yeah, so um, it's cool. I actually did a pedal demo for Earthquaker when we lived in New York. And the first thing that came to mind was the Twin Peaks uh, theme. So I, I used that in my demo. But I really like this. I think it's the square wave that they have on there. I think I have that set right now. Um, and it's cool. You can really adjust the depth and the rate. So you can go nuts or you could just have something really subtle on the pedal and it's I believe it's uh, censored so you can kind of just tap it on and off during a part rather than just having it on all the time so this is this is a square wave and the rates pretty low right now 
I could kick it up a little bit. There's a really cool setting where it just kind of flips through all of them. If you want to get really weird, maybe do some prog stuff with it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it's a super versatile little pedal. It does a lot of really cool stuff. If you can't afford a Moog, maybe maybe get an Aqueduct. Yeah, that it sounds that last setting sounds like you're playing inside like a silo. It just sounds like I'm inside this huge barrel. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then. I believe from the Aqueduct, I go to the Dark Glass Vintage Deluxe, uh, which is another really cool distortion. Um, and I really love this pedal because it's more of like a classic kind of 70s rock tone to me. And I can control how thick or thin uh, it comes through. And I use it. This is where I blank out always on the songs use it a lot. Uh, Learn to Breathe. I use it a lot. Uh, what were we doing recently? This is where I always blank out. Uh, Far From Falling. I use it in Far From Falling. Uh, and it was all over Seismic. I actually discovered it while recording Seismic. Aaron Harris had it um, and let me borrow it forever. So uh, <laughs> it, it's cool, man. It does, it does a lot. So right now for Far From Falling, I have it set like this. And it's just kind of where I'm, you know, doing the kind of solo stuff with Chris in the middle. So I can really control, you know, how quiet or noisy the pedal is. And then I believe, um, you know, for more of just a classic distortion, I'll tweak it. So it's cool. You can really play with how, how thin or thick it comes across. It's a versatile pedal for sure. Yeah. Um, and then next to that is the Earthquaker Tone Job. Uh, just a really cool EQ boost. Um, I mainly use it to boost the Overdrive and Westwood when they're on together. If I don't want to change my tone, but the part of the song calls for a little bit more of me to uh -huh. be present um, is when I'll use the Tone Job. Gotcha. Yeah. And what's after that one? And after that is the Astral Destiny, uh, which we recently acquired from Earthquakers and did a really neat demo. Um, it's such a beautiful pedal, just really stands out. Um, you could score like a horror movie with this pedal. It's, it's <laughs> really cool. <laughs> um, and it's really neat because you can save your presets. So if you, know, you find something you like, you don't have to rack your brain trying to find that exact setting. Uh, which is super helpful for this pedal. Um, I think I have it on the Cosmo right now. Um, depth is, is cranked, um, you know, again, for bass. I really just to like to push the effect. Um, and I'll use it, you know, in between interludes, end of songs, just to really draw it out. So, you know, Mario can tune or do something and not just be awkward silence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this is where I have it set right now. Um, and I really love after you click everything off, it still has a little tail that kind of shines through, which is cool if you're switching a lot of pedals or like doing a big change, that'll kind of help transition a little bit. 
there's like a natural, I don't know if it's something you have uh, dialed into the controls or if that's just kind of how the pedal operates. I haven't played with them myself yet, uh, but it, there's like some natural swelling going on that that adds to kind of like the, the mood or the, the movement. There's some like big swells that I could hear there as you're playing. Exactly, yeah. And I think, you know, that's just kind of how you play it. Like if you, you know, tweak with the notes and just kind of draw them out, I think that helps you know, allow the pedal to breathe a little bit instead of playing a ton of notes where you're going to choke it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then finally we have the Eventide H9. Um, and, wow, it's like such a massive pedal. The app is super helpful to really dig in and see what's going on in there. Uh, right now I think I have like three or four reverbs set um, but the pedal actually has a lot of really cool overdrive, um, which I'll probably dig into a little more when we start recording, because um, they sound really cool, and they're just really kind of uh, specific to the H9. Um, but yeah, I just have like a, a basic, you know, reverb, the Car Carnegie Hall, kind of, there it is. Sounds a little like this. This is just like really simple tail for any any overdrive I'm playing through. Um, and then my favorite one is the Vortex. Um, it's just really cool. It just kind of swells and kicks up. Uh, whatever I have on and without really interfering with what's happening. So this is by itself. And then for some mass destruction, I'll usually put it with the swollen pickle. Um, <laughs> it gets pretty crazy. boost my filter back up and my scoop and my crunch. will be the Westwood and the Boss. So that's cool. It's just a little more lush, just kind of pushes things and mixes it up a little bit. Man, I, I feel like, I don't know if it's the repeats or the reverberations, but I think I'm going to have a nightmare tonight because of those <laughs> last like, examples you played. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. That's, uh, that's the intention. <laughs> now, I'll throw one more question at you because I, th I think, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, we're, we kind of covered everything you got there, right, Sarah? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, other than, I mean, I have a vocal pedal just kind of wets up my vocals a little bit so I don't have to worry about, you know, front of house bothering with that. And it keeps a lot of feedback out of my monitors. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Well, the last question I have for you is uh, to try to pin you down is what is your favorite tonal setting with all your pedals and stuff? Like what, what one do you like playing the most or what one have you been enjoying lately as doing maybe rehearsals or practice? Um, I mean, the main, the main, my main go-tos are actually four pedals that'll probably, I'll always have, um, which is the Westwood, the Overdrive, because for me, it, they're kind of like one pedal, the way I use them. Uh, and then the Swollen Pickle is my fuzz, and then the Monarch's just like my dark Overdrive. Those four, those are my go-to when we're songwriting and doing, uh, you know, anything experimenting. They're simple, and they give me the ideas I'm trying to figure out. Right on. I mean, that's all kind of what we're after. I know that this uh, sometimes we get a little too more too much into gear, but you know, it can 
lead to inspiration and ideas. And that's the whole point. Now, uh, Mario is off camera, but I know he's still there. So where do you have planned for the rest of the year and where can people go online to check out either new music, if you got any more COVID covers coming up, now that that's thankfully, you know, put it behind us and we're hopefully going to concerts soon. Is uh, there anything going on for tours or new music? And if so, again, where can they check that out? Yeah, so we are uh, starting to book for the winter. Uh, we're just kind of playing it safe because, I mean, you never really know with, uh, you know, viruses, what, what could happen. So we're just kind of pushing it to the winter. We have some, some cool stuff uh, in the works. Uh, we have a live stream coming up that we're going to be putting out uh, just so you could still safely enjoy us from home. And, uh, yeah, you could find us on all the socials, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you could purchase our records off Ipecac. And we do have a band camp for some of our older stuff, like titles and covers. I, I don't know right now if we're going to be doing any covers, but uh, I think we're going to start working on a new record soon. So that's more that'll exciting. be exciting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Mario off camera. Thank you guys so much for doing this, getting your rig set up and, you know, hanging out and talking gear with me this afternoon. Yeah. Thank you so much for... Uh, for checking it out with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, guys, stay safe out there and keep rocking. Yep, you too, thanks.